following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Hey, how's that? All right, good morning, church. Before we dive into God's Word, let's pray together. Father God, I just want to thank you for the ways in which you've revealed yourself. Thankful for creation and its beauty. I'm thankful for the word that you provided for us, Lord, so we can know your character, your will, how to glorify you, and how to love one another better. I pray that you would show us these things as we open up your word. I ask all this in your son's name. Amen. So our scripture for this morning comes from James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, which is page 1012 in the Pew Bible. And chapter 3 says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member yet. It boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, standing the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So this past spring, um, I was kind of wandering about my house and figured how I could decorate and start, you know, living it up and make it feel a little more homey. So I went down to Lowe's and picked out three house plants. One was an aloe. The other was like this kind of small miniature palm tree looking thing. And the third one was a cactus. And so what I knew about cactuses was that they needed to go in a lot of sun and just a little bit of water. So I put it on the windowsill in my bedroom because that's where it gets, like, the most sunlight. So fast forward to, like, one of the nice warmer days of summertime. I go to open up the window, and I knew just, like, it was kind of leaning against the window, but I figured, you know, whatever, it'll be fine. So I go to open it up, and the cactus starts to fall, and without thinking, I instantly go and grab it because I don't want to clean up the dirt or a shattered pot. So it was just pure instinct, and it was like as I was about to grab my hand around it, I was like, this is a cactus, of course it's going to hurt. But I couldn't do anything about it, I was committed. So I tossed it back onto the windowsill, and you know, I spent like the next five minutes taking out the little pins out of my hand. And, and uh, as a side note, you'd think that I would have learned the lesson. I ended up putting that same cactus into the kitchen window, and again, I go to open it up, and same thing happened. So uh, I, I don't have that cactus anymore. 
<laughs> I did, yeah, I did learn. Uh, I passed that on. Uh, so how I want to tie that story into this passage is, unfortunately, sometimes the way we speak can be like this. Um, we can speak too quickly and not give much thought to the words that we say. And just like with that cactus, there are consequences to reacting that way. It can be hurtful to us and to those around us as well. So in my attempt to use a three-point sermon, the uh, first point, <laughs> well, I'm copying it, so it should be flattery. <laughs> the, uh, the first point that I want to go with, um, and we'll be spending a lot of our time here, is that the tongue can be used for evil. In verses 2, it says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. In the first sentence of this verse, James acknowledges that we all stumble in many areas of our life. And some of the areas can be different, varying from person to person. In part two of this verse, James says, If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. What we see from that is that if a person does not stumble with their words, they are perfect. Furthermore, they not only have control over their words, but their body as well and their conduct. But by a show of hands, who here would say that they've never stumbled over their words before? That's what I was hoping for. Uh, Of course, this isn't us, and it doesn't describe anybody as well. Nobody is perfect. Therefore, no one is able to completely bridle their tongue or the whole body. If this was true, James would be congratulating his readers, and we could stop here. But he doesn't do that. He shows us that we all stumble in what we say. And at that point, it, or at this point, it seems like kind of a vague statement. Stumble in what we say or to stumble with our words. Like, what does that mean? Well, in the remainder of the passage, James explains how unruly the tongue could be and what it means to stumble in what we say. In verses 3 to 5, James gives us our first glance at the point he's trying to make. He says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. James uses these two illustrations to show that the course of something so large can be changed by something so small. You think of the bit in a horse's mouth, wherever the driver guides it, there the horse will follow. And just like with a big ship, even though that there's like a lot of wind going through the sails, all it takes is just one rudder to be guided by um, the captain, and there the ship will follow. And he uses these illustrations to show that even though the tongue is small, it can still direct our course. It might seem odd to think that the tongue can direct our body, But when the tongue is restrained, we can assume that the rest of um, one's life is in good order. But the opposite is also true. When the tongue is not restrained, although it is small, the rest of the body is likely to be uncontrolled and undisciplined as well. In verses 3 and 4, we see how strong and influential the tongue can be. But in verse 5, James emphasizes how destructive the tongue can be. He says, The tongue is a small member yet it boasts of great things. 
how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And in this context, when we see the word great, it doesn't actually mean good. It means um, great in quantity or great in degree. Um, it comes from boasting. It's a prideful place. Um, and this boasting is misplaced because it's not boasting. Oh, yeah, it's boasting in, in oneself and one's own accomplishments. Um, but instead, we should be boasting about the Lord and what he has done. And not just about what he's done through history or in scripture, but what he's done for us in our lives and what he's done for our families. And this should be the focus of our words. But unfortunately, we don't always focus our words on the things that honor the Lord. We all know that even a small spark can cause a great fire, and we know how devastating that fire can be to a forest. If a land uh, is dry, acres and acres of land will quickly be set ablaze by such a small spark. And the tongue can be like that spark. The things we say can start small with a comment here or there, just casually. But eventually, it can turn into gossip, slander, or even discouraging words to our brothers and sisters. And following this pattern can have negative, a negative result on us as well as those around us. And verse 6 says that the tongue can stain the whole body. If your speech is filled with ungodly things, like cursing, gossip, or putting people down, your heart will surely follow, just like this um, ships with the rudder. And the truth is, we can't control our tongue on our own. Scripture says that one moment we use our words to praise God, and the next we use it to curse people, even our brothers and sisters in the Lord. It also says that the tongue can stain the whole body, and that it is restless, evil, full of deadly poison. And you might be thinking that James is speaking kind of harshly about the tongue. Um, well, this is why. It's a problem that we all have, and left unchecked, it can grow out of control. One commentator has this to say in agreement with James. He says, So difficult is the mouth to control. So given is it to utter the false, the biting, the slanderous words. So prone to stay open when it were more profitably closed, that the person who has it in control surely has the ability to conquer uh, other less unruly members of the body. Truth be told, we don't have any hope of being able to control our own words on our own. We need somebody to come in and to help us keep our thoughts and words captive and to remind us what is honoring to the Lord. And that somebody is the Holy Spirit. In verses 11 and 12, the last thing James has to say comes to us in two questions. He says, Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Could a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond produce fresh water. Um, so we know that in nature, a spring cannot produce both fresh and salt water from the same opening, and that one tree cannot produce two different kinds of um, fruit. So how do these examples relate to us? These examples relate directly back to the previous verse, verse 10 which says, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. So he's comparing the water and the tree to us as Christians. Um, we, Even though that we're Christians, here he's saying we use our words to bless God, but we turn around and we curse those around us, and that these things ought not to be so. If we're truly Christians and we have the Spirit, we should only be um, pouring out glory to God and encouragement to others 
um, there shouldn't be um, the divide there. So as I said, we need a helper to help us with that. And the Spirit is the one who is our helper in these situations. The Spirit can help us to renew our minds and focus on what is honoring to God. The good news, too, is that the Spirit comes as our helper not because of anything that we did, but because of what Jesus did. The Spirit is a helper to those who are a new creation in the Lord. When Jesus came to earth, he perfectly followed the will of his Father. And even though that will led him to the cross, Jesus nonetheless obeyed faithfully to the will of his Father. When Jesus died on the cross, the wrath of God that was meant for us was appeased because over the course of his life, Jesus never sinned. And that wrath that was originally meant for us because we had all been born into sin. But now because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we can all enjoy a restored relationship with God. He no longer has wrath planned for us. Instead, he sees us covered in the righteousness of Jesus. And because of that, he gives us eternal life with him. Amen. So if you're not sure if you have the spirit or relationship with Jesus, I know that there's people here who would love to be able to pray and to talk about that with you. And again, if you're not sure of these things, I pray that God would reveal himself to you and that he would cause a desire in your heart for a relationship with God. If you're born again and have the spirit within you, then the spirit is the one who is your your helper. So be mindful when you read scripture and in prayer and ask the spirit for help not only with the taming tongue, but with anything else you might struggle with as well. You should be leaning on the Lord. In the context of taming the tongue, with the Spirit's help, we're able to slow down and take our thoughts and words captives. Our heart and mind becomes aware that what we would want to say is not honoring to God. The Spirit is the one who helps us, and he can either help us bite our tongue, as it were, or replace those hurtful words with more uplifting ones. And so just as I opened with the story, I'm going to close with one as well. So I actually spoke on this passage to my youth group uh, a couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday night. And the next morning, Thursday morning, I worked the morning shift. And there's kind of a, a dispute at my work between um, the kind of division that I work in and um, another division. Somebody made kind of a, um, a snarky comment to me and a couple of other my coworkers. And, like, instantly, I was just really, really angry, and I wanted to tell him what he was, where he could go, and all these other things. And I know that's not me. I don't curse. I don't, I'm usually really laid back. Um, and so that was really weird for me to feel that way. But I kind of wanted to defend my work and also the work and integrity of my coworkers as well. You know, I wanted to stand up for them. Um, but I realized that that was not the way. And I figured, after having preached on that message... Uh, the night before to my youth group, it'd be kind of hypocritical if I went and, you know, said all those things. Um, So two points. One is that I think that it was definitely the spirit in that moment who helped me take a deep breath, realize that those things weren't honoring to God. It wasn't going to be a good reflection of God, um, and it just wouldn't be a good testimony. And I think the second point is if you are constantly in the Word and praying those things can be used. So in that moment, he'll recall um, scripture and prayer and all these other things to you. So you could be thinking of that as well. And um, in that moment, I ended up kind of like walking away. Um, But, you know, encouraging words from scripture can also be used in that place as well. So 
Well, with that, um, I will close in prayer, and I invite the worship team up. Lord, we just want to thank you for your word. I'm thankful for the Spirit and the Spirit's ability to um, work in our hearts and allow us to recall Scripture um, and just what's honoring to you, Lord. Um, We're thankful that you've given us a guide and so we know how to honor you. I just pray that you would work on all of our hearts so we can better be a reflection of you and your love. I ask all of this in your son's name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.